For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This is ACC Nation. I'm Jim Quist. And our special guest was a forward for NC State under head coach Kay Yow. The Pack made the NCAA tournament four times, Sweet 16 twice while she was there. She's a college basketball analyst, and you've seen her on ESPN, the Big Ten Network, CBS, Fox. Heard her on Westwood One. She also does WNBA games for ESPN and NBA TV. And uh, has been the main play-by-play voice of the Indiana Fever. We have the pleasure of welcoming Debbie Antonelli. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Jim. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to it. Before we talk about the upcoming uh, NCAA and ACC season, women's basketball continues to break New glass ceilings every year. I love to see this. You have seen the growth and popularity right firsthand, right up front. And you've seen it go through fits and starts, Debbie. Uh, Share your experiences with us and thoughts on how far the game has come since you first opened the door for some local broadcasts uh, in Ohio. Well, first, let me tell you, this podcast is coming off the heels of me being in Kinnick Stadium at Iowa, where 55,646 people attended an Iowa scrimmage against DePaul. It was absolutely phenomenal for somebody like me that has spent my career and my passion around the game and particularly the women's game and watching it elevate and grow and being a part of that in a small way. I cannot be uh, more excited to, to watch the start of this year. Uh, When I started calling games 36 years ago, the only game on was the CBS National Championship. So I've watched the landscape change significantly in the TV industry and the way the game is covered. Uh, I've watched the resources get better. I've watched the coaching and the players get better. I think we're at a point in our game right now where coming off of a 9.9 million rating and a peak of 12 million people on the National Championship game on ESPN where We're in a good place. We're in a moment right now, and we need to make sure we don't miss the moment and we keep expanding and excelling in the areas that are working in the women's side. What do you think, Debbie, is is selling the general population of finally coming around to realizing that women's basketball is dynamic? It's fun. It's an exciting product to watch, and uh, people are becoming more and more vested in it. You know, I've been saying for a long time on the air, the product is the narrative. Uh, I I believe that 100%. I think that 
our product has always been good. I think the players have been outstanding. The coaching has been good. I think now we have developed household names and, and that's been a marketing strategy for 30 years to develop household names. But I think the advent of technology, social media, the way the game is covered, you know, more opportunities for more than just your traditional media outlets to cover the game has put the game in the spotlight in other ways. And uh, I, I'm just so excited about watching it grow, watching uh, being a part of it and um, continuing to take a stakeholder role and a very high responsibility inside the game. I take that role very seriously in the way I prepare and and what I do around the women's game. And I challenge others to do the same thing. So it's something on a personal note that I, I want to say is that uh, um, I, I think it's important that for anybody who's a fan of women's basketball, especially all the young women who are out there and who are getting started, they need to read your Wikipedia and, and see what you have contributed and how you've help to bring things along. I think it's very important. If you don't know history about where things have been, uh, and I will give you a, a, a small taste of where things have been. The reason I'm asking this question is because my, my first interest in women's basketball started when I was very young. My mother would tell me stories of when she played in high school pre-World War II and they were not allowed to dribble. <laughs> they could only pass going up. And, down. and I, I was going, how do you do that? So it, it sparked an interest in me and, uh, and, and also helped me to get into coaching women. So um, it, I, I love the sport. I love what, what you're doing and other people are doing to bring this excitement to the forefront. So thank you from, from me and a lot of other people who appreciate it. So. Well, thank you for saying that. I think um, I've said this a lot with the celebration of Title IX that we just had and, and all the things that make you reflect and think back about how grateful we are for the path that we've been led on. Uh, when I was 13, my parents took me to NC State. I sat on the railing and I realized that women could play basketball in college and you could get a scholarship to do so. And that's when I sort of made up my mind. And uh, I live by three standards that I use for all of my decision-making, whether it's in my role as a mom or a wife, my role as a broadcaster or a stakeholder in the game, and that is build, serve, and empower. If I build and I'm constructive and I use my time wisely and I serve because my coach Kay Yao thought that was the greatest quality of a really good leader, if I build and serve and do those things for the game and for people around the game, then I think I'll empower others to do the same thing. And that's sort of been my message through the the decades. And uh, that's the way I'm, I'm trying to go about my business. Well, you've done very well. <laughs> I tell you, Hey, uh, let's, let's go back to last season. Let's talk about NCAA basketball. Um, I, I don't know. It, it kind of felt to me as if something broke through again, you know, I talked about those glass ceilings earlier. It, it just felt like something broke through again. I, th I think, there was another level and it was exciting and uh, all of the, all of the games were just incredible. Um, so what I would like to do is, is, uh, is kind of look back on last season, get just a little feel from you as to what you saw going on there. And, and maybe what I didn't see from the outside 
that you may have seen on the inside that that made that extra surge and 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 more people coming to the sport well jim we had five million viewers on the national championship uh, prior to last year so we basically added a new five million and and where i think those new five million fans came from was caitlin clark uh, i simply think one person with her skill set and doing something that we have never seen before. Uh, no one's done what she's done uh, from a record standpoint. And the same issues uh, that are opportunities on the men's side with tra uh, transfer portal or with a name, image, and likeness or the pay-for-play model that the men are under. The women are under the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I think we've seen a lot of growth off the court from a marketing standpoint. And it has built some household names. But... The product has been has always been good. The the product has always delivered, as Jay Billis would say on a North Carolina Duke game. On the women's side, we've had great players, great teams. It's not like all of a sudden we just started learning how to play. Um, it can sound a little insulting to those of us that have been a part of the growth and watching the game for a long time. And I don't mean it to sound condescending, but we've been good. It's like, where have you been? Like you haven't seen us. Like you should have been watching. We we've had great players. I think this year, the culmination of South Carolina being undefeated and the run that they were on um, UConn being injured and maybe not as clearly in the picture as they've always been uh, new names popping to the surface with LSU. I mean, if you go back and look at LSU, a kid at Utah missed a couple of free throws in the regional and otherwise they wouldn't have even have been there. And then um, if the officials didn't put certain players in foul trouble in the first half or that players didn't get in foul trouble, that Jasmine Carson situation with all those threes in the first half may not have even happened. So you, you know that there's some fate there and there's a twist of luck and, um, that, and that's okay. Uh, but I, I think the main thing here is keeping it the main thing. The product has always been good. People are really just starting to figure it out. And when you have a player that's as exceptional as Caitlin Clark, I think it just brought all demographics to the table to watch. I, I like the way that you put that, and I don't think it's condescending at all, uh, Debbie. I, as a matter of fact, it, it has been, I, I'm sure, a struggle for years to get people to 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 open their eyes and and you know come to the product because it, it has been exciting for a long, long time. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, it. <laughs> but it is a struggle and there are some people that are just very blocked off about that uh we'll get them in too sooner or later uh, <laughs> we'll get them yeah that's right uh hey to some degree last year lsu kind of snuck up on everyone especially uh when you looked at the net rankings because man they were just they were they were just not even there and then they were seated number three in, in the tournament. Um, nonetheless, they were scary determined. And sometimes that's all it takes. Uh, a little karma. Now they have three potential All-Americans. Um, Angel Reese and two important transfers. Let's talk a little bit about, about what Kim has there um, for LSU. And can they repeat well, you talk about characters in our game or household names. I mean, how is Kim Mulkey not one of those on that list, right? I mean, she's True. won four national championships, three at Baylor, one on a 
really um, fast track, if you will, and only her second year at LSU. The day she got the job, I started calling her ROI, return on investment, which is actually um, a name she likes because I knew if Scott Woodard was going to go after her and bring her to LSU, that you don't just throw millions of dollars at a coach of her stature and not be prepared to build the infrastructure around her, knowing how demanding she would be about excellence. Now, excellence comes in a lot of definitions, but if you've known Kim and you've known how successful she's been, you know what her definition of excellence is. And knowing that they invested in her meant they were making a, an investment in the women's game. And she has returned on investment. I looked at this number last year going into the NCAA tournament because I was curious. The two years prior to Kim arriving at LSU, when you combine parking tickets and concessions, the number was less than 200,000. The two years that she'd been at LSU, the number's over 3 million. That's the return on investment. And I think it's an important story to tell because I think South Carolina has had a return on investment with Dawn Staley. I think Gina Oriema is a return on investment. I think Tara Vandeveer at Stanford, and I could name a few others. But when you start looking at what that required, you know, and Dawn Staley's teams at South Carolina, the product wasn't great when she got there. She built a product and then the infrastructure came around her. LSU did it a little bit ahead of the curve because they knew what they were getting with Kim. And when you know your demographic and you know the landscape of your university and your setting, you know they're going to have success. So uh, I, I think it's two different ways to look at it. But um, I think it's really important that people understand some of that because that's how we build moving forward with other brands around the game. And it's important to continue to build brands. Caitlin Clark. I mean, my goodness, we would not have been in the football stadium on Sunday if Iowa didn't go to the Final Four in the national championship game. I don't think 55,646 people would have showed up for an exhibition game. How awesome. <laughs> it's crazy good. <laughs> Let me just ask you a quick question. Do you miss playing basketball? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I love it so much that there's not one part or aspect of my job that actually nibbles away at me, not the travel, not the late nights. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here with you having been to Tampa to speak yesterday on a three fifteen wake up call. And I arrived at my house back at 1230 last night. So I had, I uh, went to bed at one So I had about 20, you know, 22 hours of being awake. Um, it's all around hoops and, and it's energizing and it's motivating and I do get my basketball fix, Jim, and you may know or may not know, and I certainly want your listeners to be aware, uh, I have a fundraiser for Special Olympics. It's called 24 Hours Nothing But Net. I make 100 free throws on the top of every hour for 24 hours, so at the end of 24 hours, I've made 2,400. I've done this for five years in my driveway. We have raised $845,000 for Special Olympics. Wow. And it's not the most important part about it, but it is a part of the story. Uh, I do get AARP mail. I am in my driveway making free throws and I'm shooting a, at a five-year average of 94%. So the reason why I tell you that number is because I think it's an important part of the story when people tune in and they see one mom in the driveway trying to raise money for families like mine that have had an impact because of Special Olympics and trying to give that incredible give back that we're all responsible for at some point. 
uh, it makes me really proud and I, I can still shoot it. I train really hard to do it. So uh, I'm still actively involved in playing and uh, keeping after it, trying to stay in shape. Just remind me to never jokingly ask you <laughs> if you want to play games. <laughs> Let's get back into I don't have the same range, Jim, that I used to have, but I can make a free throw. <laughs> I'm, I'm still. Uh, that's that's great stuff. Um, and in I'm at the end of this, I want to I want you to give us a little bit more information about how people can support that financially, if you would, you. to remember that. Um, <clears throat> now let's let's talk a little bit about. Uh, about UConn is is next on the on the top five of the of the preseason top twenty five. UConn is next. Paige Beckers um, back appears to be healthy, which is you know it's been a long haul for her. She's she has uh, gone through some pretty rough stuff there. That but she's determined and and again that scary determined term comes back in here. What does UConn look like to you this season? Healthy, uh, um, a healthy UConn team has Paige Beckers and AZ Fudd in the backcourt, which are two of the best shot makers in the game combined. Uh, I would expect them to combine to shoot better than 50% from the floor, the two of them. I think they're that good uh, I, as guards. Um, they will be dangerous and too deep and scary good with a little chip on their shoulder and a tough schedule in the non-conference, which they always play. Uh, and the Big East has gotten better, but clearly they'll be the preseason pick and they'll win the Big East. And they're, you know, right now in the November and December, you have to look at seeding for them first or, uh, first or a, a one or a two seed um, because they're going to be that good and they'll challenge. You know, and last year we had a Final Four without them and we had a 9.9 .9 million rating. Um, there's a lot to be said about how they've helped us elevate the game because of their discipline and execution, which is what I love to talk about with UConn because you get it for 40 minutes and it's really fun to watch. Uh, and how our game has continued to evolve around, around them without them not winning a title since 2016. So I believe they'll be very hungry. Next up, uh, Caitlin Clark, Iowa. Uh, <laughs> and they want a shot at the title. They definitely do. And, and, you know, they have a little, uh, a few more question marks than others. Um, but Caitlin Clark has no question mark about her. I was at practice twice this past week. I've watched them work out. I've watched film. I've listened to their coaches discuss her game. Uh, she continues to get better. She's stronger. Um, she's as determined. She's committed. And uh, quite simply, we haven't seen anybody do what she does. So it's, it's quite remarkable to think um, that she's able to accomplish so much and how much she makes her teammates better around her. They will be a tough knockout and uh, she, she'll be right at the center stage of everything that happens moving forward this year. Next up, UCLA, the Pac-12, where they're going out with not a bang, but a boom. Uh, Charisma Osborne foregoes the WNBA for another shot. 6'7", Lauren Betts transfers in from Stanford. I could go on and on because this team seems to be really stacked. And um, if you look at the top 25, the preseason top 25 again, um, they definitely took a leap in those rankings, and there was a good reason for it. Yeah, Kiki Rice is another one that after having a freshman year, she was a highly acclaimed uh, high school recruit. 
I think Corey Close runs as good a stuff offensively as anyone. So she will dictate and get her best players really good shots, which always makes it really hard to guard when you have a team that's disciplined offensively that way and moves the ball and shares the ball. I think Charisma Osborne made the exact right decision coming back to forego the WNBA. So she could become a little bit better shooter and a little bit better with her range, but she's a a two-way guard that is a strong competitor and Lauren Betts at 6'7 or 6'9 brings a lot of size on the inside. That's always hard to guard. So I think there'll be a team that'll be um, really tough to knock out of the Pac-12, but will make some noise in the NCAA tournament. 6'7, 6'9, that two inches. (laughs) Neither (laughs) it or there. Utah, all five starters returning for Coach Lynn Roberts, including All-Americans Alyssa Peely and Gianna Nipkins. Um, this team, it's a little bit of a surprise for me, mainly because, you know, I'm East Coast, so maybe I'm not paying attention. Well, I'm going to tell you that Alyssa Peely is worth watching. Um, she is as close to what I would call um, – Alyssa Thomas, who plays for Connecticut in the WNBA, or LeBron James, who plays for the Lakers. And she is big and strong, physical, uh, unguardable at the elbow when she catches. Um, She can make plays. She can shoot the three. She's a very exciting, dynamic. She's a big body that uh, has worked on her conditioning and her stamina. She has a high IQ. And quite frankly, Lynn Roberts has done an excellent job out there. It wasn't so far, uh, we're not so far removed to from her having a single digit winning season that she's able to put a team that will actually challenge. And as I said earlier, if they had not missed free throws at the end of that LSU game, they would have been challenging to go to the final four. Interesting. Going to keep an eye on them because it's, uh, you know, it's the teams that you don't pay attention to, the ones that sneak up on you. Um, let's get into the ACC preseason top uh teams here and uh we'll start out with virginia tech where kenny brooks um i just noticed the other day that there were a couple of extra transfers that that he's picked up you know which is scary considering who he already has and so it seems to me like kenny brooks is is loading up for a, a solid run here You know, I said this about Kenny's teams for a while because they have been together for so long, yet they hadn't had what I would call big game experience. Um, They had not won any big games until last year. And when they went into NC State and won on the Play for K game uh, in that environment, to me, that was just one extra rung on the ladder that they were preparing for a, a deeper run in March. Georgia Amor is the best point guard in the league, and she's not sneaking up on anybody anymore. Elizabeth Kitley is the back-to-back ACC Player of the Year. At 6'6", she has Dirk Nowitzki step-back-like footwork inside. I'm anticipating the half hook this year, which will make her unguardable. And then the the players that he's picked up in the portal allow him to space the floor better around Kitley. And uh, that two-man game with Kitley and uh, Amor will be really tough to defend the way Amor shoots it. So it should be really fun to watch them and play with a target on their back because they've been sneaking up on everybody until this year. Another another team that if you're uh, not paying attention, they will come and get you. Uh, Notre Dame finally starting to to push its way back after Muffet McGraw departed and Neil Ivey has taken over. It takes a little time to make that adjustment. I understand that, and I think everybody else does too. You've got the top three scores returning here, and 
I it just feels like this team is getting ready to make their break back into that elite top grouping. Well, they suffered a tough injury last year towards the end when Olivia Miles tore her ACL, and we're waiting on her return. So um, she will obviously have a lot to do with the success of Notre Dame as they push forward later in the season because it'll take her some time to get back. But they're talented, and they're loaded. And Neil Ivey has done a fantastic job uh, coaching that team and understanding the nuances of being the head coach and being able to in-game adjust and all the things that I think come with being a high-caliber coach in the ACC. The league is hard, and every night you have to be ready. And I think she has the versatility on her roster to play a lot of ways. Sonia Citron is a big-time player. Uh, her numbers are outstanding from the floor. She led him in scoring. Um, she's a, a player that can make everybody around her better. And um, I, I look forward to watching their post-play evolve. And then Maddie Westbrook, it feels like there's been uh, Maddie's been there for 100 years, but she is a solid three-point threat in the trail. She's very good in their pick-and-pop game. They've got a lot of weapons, so they'll be really fun to watch. And they play uh, with a, a great joy about them, so that makes them fun. UNC comes in at 16 in that preseason top 25. Courtney Bangard has got um, has been doing, I think, a very good job of, of slowly rebuilding the program. It has it, it, it took a tumble there for a while, but and everything takes time to to build back. What can we expect from the Tar Heels? I think North Carolina is ranked too low in the preseason poll. Uh, and I think they have the best talent and the most talent they've had. Alyssa Usby is a, a very good, versatile 6'1 athletic. She runs with the guards in practice. She can guard and blow up all ball screen action, which allows Courtney to play defensively the way she wants to. I think she's an unselfish, goes to the glass, good screener, all the detail things. Uh, and I think she's going to have a, a really brilliant career when she goes professionally. Deja Kelly is an all-out competitor, baller. They have a lot of guards, and you cannot have enough guards when you get to the NCAA tournament. They hit the portal as well. They picked up some good players. This is a deep, fun at North Carolina athletic 40 minutes of pressure on defense and offense because they're going to be coming downhill, like tilting the floor, like running right at you. So they should be really fun to watch. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. I expect them to make a deep run in March. Let's move on to number 17 in that top 25 poll. It's Louisville. And Louisville has always, uh, in the last couple of years, has, has been right there. And they've slipped a little bit. What's going on there? Well, I, I, I wouldn't call it a slip at all, to be honest with you, because they've been to the Elite Eight and the Final Four in the last two years. So I think they've been uh, a monster program in the ACC. And Jeff Walls is one of the most brilliant tacticians we have in the league. So I think when you look at Louisville, uh, I think everyone thinks because, uh, you know, they lost Dana Evans and then they lost Haley Van Lith um, and that they were going to take a dip. And I don't expect that at all. As a matter of fact, I expect the opposite. I think they'll be right there at the end. They always play really tough physical man-to-man uh, -man defense, and they push in transition. And when he has some players that can really shoot it, and he does this year, that makes him really dangerous because of the way they attack the floor. So I'm looking forward to watching what they do. I think it's an interesting 
place for them to be because they're not picked at the top of the league and they're used to being picked at the top of the league. So I think this is going to make them really hungry and it's going to give Jeff Walls a different angle to approach his team every day. Inspiration time. Um, Florida State comes up next at number 18 in that top 25 poll. We haven't seen Florida State uh, quite in in that surge for a little while, and, and we'll talk about a couple of other teams that are also on this list here in just a moment. Well, Tania Latson was a freshman last year who just lit up the league. She led the league in scoring, and she was a bright surprise. No one was anticipating a player like her that could come in and average over 20 points a game. But she is a downhill, hard-driving, very uh, complete offensive player. And uh, they had good pieces around her. As long as Florida State rebounds on the glass, Michaela Timpkins is another player that uh, is really good. He's athletic and long. They've got good guard play. They're quick and athletic. They can be disruptive on the defensive end. And all those things make teams really hard to guard, especially when you know how to defend. And Brooke Brooke Wyckoff has been – in this league and around this league for I think 25 years as a player and a coach. And so that gives her an advantage that most new head coaches don't have when you come into a league. So I think she's figuring it out like Neil Ivy has at Notre Dame. And I think they're going to be fine. On the front lines waiting to advance NC state Duke and Miami. They're just outside of that preseason top 25. And I, I think you can always depend on those teams to probably go ahead and and jump into that top 25 before long? Well, I definitely think NC State and Miami are really good teams. I think Miami, off their Elite Eight experience last year, has their backcourt back. Uh, Jaleah Williams is a really good two-way guard who can score and play in transition. I think they have size up front. They had some players that were hurt last year that are coming back healthy. They'll be deep. Um, Katie uh, Meyer is one of the best coaches in the country in terms of putting players in position without a lot of drama to have great chemistry and getting them shots that they can make, that they can win with. And then NC State is, they've lost a lot um, over the last couple of years, but when you win back to back to back ACC championships, you might expect there to be a little bit of a dip, but they really haven't suffered that. Last year wasn't exactly the season that I think they had hoped for. However, This year, the four freshmen in the freshman class are going to play, and they are good. The players that remained, um, especially Isaiah James, is is a big-time guard in this league. Michaela Hayes, an experienced guard in the backcourt. I think, uh, and Saniya Rivers has significantly improved her game off the bounce and her handle. She was forced into the point guard position last year. I think she'll be able to play her more natural position this year. So I'm really looking forward to watching NC State and this young group. They're going to play in a sold-out house every night. That's got to be fun. That's fantastic. Uh, when it comes to, uh, again, when it comes to ACC women's basketball, you can't ask for a better conference. The the competitiveness has just been off the charts. It's, it's so much fun. And again, if you if you're not or haven't been a fan of women's basketball, what are you waiting for? It's time to get on the wagon, man. It's uh, a lot of great stuff out there. Um, some some quick notes here, Debbie, uh, before we let you go. Coaching change at Pitt. Uh, Tori Verde comes in from UMass. Uh, any thoughts there? Oh, I've known Tori since he was an, an assistant in the WNBA, an assistant in the Big 12. I've watched his teams at UMass out of the A-10. He's been a 
guy that's taken a team that has built everywhere he's gone. They've gotten a little bit better. Uh, and I, I think he's a, a brilliant tactician as well. He's got to get some players. That's the most important part. And I, I look forward to watching what they will be able to do. I think they're going to be fine. It's hard to move up in the league because the league is so good. But if you can get in this league to, you know, in his first year, if he can be 10 or 11, that'd be an incredible move. Indeed. Uh, questions. Here's the last one for you uh, before we ask you about the specific place that people can donate. What we were talking about before questions regarding the weaker schedules uh, and the stronger schedules. Um, this is this was a story that was on ESPN, and uh, they talked about the weaker schedules for LSU, Ole Miss, Virginia Tech, Iowa, and Utah, uh, possibly hurting them. But then again, they <laughs> here we go with LSU being three hundred and twenty something in the net last year. So. Yeah, I, I have some strong feelings about that because I think not only is Kim Mulkey return on investment, I think she's the, the code breaker. Uh, they played a lot of teams that were in the top 250 in the RPI or in the net. And yet when it got to conference play, because of the strength of their league, they were prepared. Now, some of the efficiencies inside the net offensively and defensively, we don't know what the formula is. So if you don't know what the formula is and you have a chance to beat somebody by 10 or beat them by 25, I think beating them by 25 actually helped your net rating. There's That's the only way to describe what Kim Mulkey was able to do last year based on what her net was and her three seed. Um, it, it's quite remarkable. So I call her a code breaker because somehow she figured out how to crack the code. Uh, I do believe in a strong non-conference schedule. I'm one that thinks that Coaches have such great vision about what they want to do that and with the changing roster management that comes with college basketball. So you could set out the next two years to plan on this particular schedule, but you could have a totally different roster in two years based on transfer portal and the pay for play model that we're in right now, plus incoming freshmen. So while I have always had this attitude about scheduling the coaches know what they have and what they need. They have pretty much figured out the, the mathematics to a certain point on how their schedule is going to help them. And they know what games they need to play and what they need to win. So I'm not one to be too super critical of somebody's soft schedule or really hard schedule. I just like it when the best teams play each other out of conference. Well, there's a couple of teams that fit that um, that model that you're talking about. UConn, Tennessee, South Carolina, Gonzaga, and Notre Dame all have challenging schedules this season. I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I like to see as, as many really tough games as possible. Yeah. I mean, how can you say Virginia Tech doesn't have a hard schedule when they're playing LSU and Iowa, two Final Four teams last year that are loaded and expected to be there next year? I'm not sure what article you're referencing, but uh, I would have some issue with that. And uh, I think, you know, if you're playing and you're going to end up with a schedule like what Mulkey played last year, yeah, that would be an easy schedule. But they're not certainly not playing an easy schedule this year. Well, I'm not going to get in between anybody on, the, on that article. So I'll leave it at that. Debbie, tell us a little bit more now and where people can can contact you and and this this great effort uh, that, that you put into raising funds 
for Special Olympics. It's it's a great program. Uh, I can't say enough about it. Well, uh, my middle son, I have three boys. My middle son has Down syndrome, and he has been a Special Olympic athlete. He's actually a graduate of the Clemson Life Program, which is an acronym cool. learning is for everyone. Clemson has a post-secondary educational experience for students with intellectual disability. Actually, NC State's going to be creating one now, which I'm very proud of NC State for doing so. Uh, you can donate a penny for every free throw I make, and that would be $24 for Special Olympics. I'm going to make $2,400 if you gave me a penny for every free throw, and you would go to 24hoursnbn.com. So it's the number 24 hours. N-B-N. N-B-N stands for nothing but net. 24 hours, nothing but net. 24hoursnbn.com. Can't say it enough. Say it one more time. 24hoursnbn.com. That's where you can go and give me some cash for Special Olympics. It goes straight to the athletes to help them organize, train, socialize, and compete. Thank you for doing so if you're doing it. And everyone that donates, no matter the amount, I write a handwritten thank you note because it's that personal to me. Superb. Um, I, I will uh, be looking some of this up and uh, posting it on our website as well so that uh, it's there for everybody and it's a, it's a reference. So if they missed it here, they'll see it on the website. Thank you. Ah, Debbie, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, listening to you you know, break out the NCAA women's basketball, where it's been, where it's going and where it's going. It's just, it's a fantastic program. Uh, and, and more people need to get involved in, in watching and, and supporting women's basketball. Well, I'm grateful for your time, Jim. Um, thank you for your interest in helping in a lot of different ways, but, uh, just tune in and enjoy the game. Go to a game locally. You usually can get a ticket. It's really fun. And uh, the balance of the competitiveness inside women's basketball is really good now. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.